This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to take God's word and go with me. This morning to the gospel according to Luke, chapter number one. We've taken a break here at Christmas from the gospel according to Mark. And we've come to the gospel according to Luke. And we're looking at the songs of Christmas. And uh, Christmas is a wonderful time of year. And immediately when we think of Christmas, we, of, of course, think of our Savior, and that produces a song in our heart. And uh, there is no time of the year that produces such wonderful music as the time of Christmas. And uh, we enjoy singing these beautiful Christmas songs. And this song that Casey sang, what a, what a beautiful song that is, and, and we praise God for his goodness. We thank God that he has given us a song to sing. And we find that at the birth of Christ, there were those who were singing of his birth. And last week, we looked at the song of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to look at the song of Zacharias. And so I'd like for you to look with me. In chapter 1 of the Gospel according to Luke, and we'll begin reading in verse number 57. Now, Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousin heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them. And all these things were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world begun, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, 
to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. The child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts to the day of his showing unto Israel. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come into your presence and we come with thankful hearts for your gift of salvation. We're thankful for the person, the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, who died on the cross for us. We're thankful for the record of his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. We're thankful for the truth of the gospel that we have heard and that we have believed in. We pray today that you would use your word in our hearts and in our lives. We pray, God, the Holy Spirit would speak to us through it, that you would reveal to us our need, that we would have our hearts stirred to praise and to worship you to glorify your name. We pray if there are those among us who have yet believed upon the Lord that you would reveal the person of Jesus to them today and we pray that they would be saved. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. <coughs> Pardon me. We see here the song of Zacharias and we have the question, who is Zacharias? And we are introduced to Zacharias here in Luke chapter 1. If you'll notice, please, in verse number 5, the Bible said there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. This, of course, we find uh, later is Mary's cousin. And when Mary uh, goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, uh, she brings Elizabeth the news that she is of child by the Holy Ghost. By the time she gets there, Elizabeth is already herself with child, the child, John. And so before all of that happened, the angel of the Lord will appear to Zacharias the priest. Notice in verse 6, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. These were people who loved God. And by the way, if we want the Lord to use us in this hour, we need to be people who love God. And when God's looking for a family to use to be a blessing to and bring a child into the world who will serve him, he's looking for this kind of family, one who is walking in his commandments and in the ordinances of the Lord blameless. It doesn't mean they were perfect, but it means they were endeavoring to serve God and to worship him. Verse 7, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. That's a kind way of saying it, isn't it? Or is it a kind way? They were well stricken. Uh, hopefully nobody's walked up to you in the grocery store lately and said, it's been a while since I've seen you. I see that you're well stricken in years. 
But we find that she was well stricken in years, as was her husband. (laughs) The emphasis here, (coughs) excuse me, the emphasis here is given so that we might understand that they are beyond the age of producing a child naturally. But we already know from the Word of God that God has no problem dealing with that because Abraham and Sarah had a child when he was 100 and she was 90. And so this is no problem for God. In verse 8, he came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. So here he is. He's in the temple. He is burning the incense, and the people without are praying, as is their custom. That incense is a representation of the prayers of God's people. In verse number 10, the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Here's what we know. We know they were praying for a child. Thy prayer is heard. We don't know when the prayer was last offered. We don't know if they had lost faith that that prayer was going to be answered. But nevertheless, here's what we know. Whenever they offered it, God heard it. By the way, Is there a prayer in your heart that you've offered to God? Let me tell you that God has heard that prayer. God has heard that prayer. And maybe you've forgotten it, but I want you to know that he hasn't. And so he said, your prayer is heard. And when Zacharias saw him, okay, we saw, we read that. He said, your prayer is heard. And in verse 14, thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit, the power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife, well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. So we have this miraculous story. The angel of the Lord appears to Zacharias as he is 
carrying out his ministry in the temple. The people are without praying. He's burning the incense. This would not have taken long. They were waiting for his reappearance, but he's delayed because he's in a conversation with the angel. And the angel says, you're going to have a child. And he is going to go before the Lord. He's going to go before the Savior. He is going to be used of God to turn the hearts of the people back to the fathers and back to God. He's going to confront them with their sin. He is going to prepare the way of the Savior. Zacharias, in unbelief, asked the angel, how's this going to be? I'm old, and my wife is well stricken in years. And so the angel Gabriel said, I want you to know who I am. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. He sent me to tell you this. And because you do not believe, you will not be able to speak. And so the man was mute. He could not speak. This goes on. He goes home from his ministry. He returns to his house. He is with his wife. In the course of time, she conceives miraculously. And uh, she's going to have a baby. In that course of time, we understand that Mary visits and Mary announces the news and that she is with child of the Holy Ghost. The baby John in Elizabeth's womb leaps with joy. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary sings her song of praise. And now we've come to the time of the birth of the baby John. And all of the neighbors are there. All of the friends are there. All of the family is there. They're in the house. The baby's born. They are rejoicing. They are celebrating the birth of this child. There's nothing that brings joy like the birth of a baby. My wife was telling me this morning we have a number of ladies in our church who are expecting children. That is a blessing. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. Thank God for the hope that a child brings. And here's John, this long-awaited child for this couple who thought it was impossible for them at their age to have a child. And now they have what their heart is desired to have, a little boy. But not just any boy, a boy that God has said, I'm going to use. And so as they're rejoicing in his birth, the, 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 the ladies who are there, they say, well, I think we should name him John. Isn't that always a wonderful thing when your family and friends and neighbors think it is their role to name your child? And his mother said, not so. We're going to call him John. And they said, no, no, you should call him Zacharias. That's what his dad's name is. There's no John in your family. And so they ask Zacharias, what do you think we should name him? <laughs> I don't ever see where they ask Elizabeth what they thought or what she thought, but they did ask Zacharias. And Zacharias, who could not speak and hadn't spoke in a long, long time, calls for a tablet. He writes his name is John. And when he writes it, they're all marveling. What's the deal with this John thing? This isn't the way we do it. We name people after their parents. We name people after their family. These people want to name him John. I'll tell you why they wanted to name him John. Because the angel said his name should be called John. And the Bible says that when Zacharias did that, immediately his mouth was open and his tongue 
was loose, he was able to speak. And when he spoke, he didn't just talk. He sang a song to God. You see, when we see God intervening and at work in this world, when we're confronted with what he is doing, let me tell you what it produces in our hearts. It produces a song. And as we look at his song, we're going to note some things, and I hope you'll write them down with me and follow along. There are three elements of this song that I want you to note. Number one, I want you to note the resonance of God's praise. The resonance of God's praise. He resounded forth praise to God. Now, remember, it has been more than nine months. We don't know exactly the time, but we know it's at least been more than nine months since the man has been able to speak. Most of you ladies, if your husband was not able to speak, you wouldn't really notice the difference, right? You say, well, he never talks anyway. Yeah. I'm trying to help you ladies out, right? But this man had not spoken in months. And when he speaks, notice what the Bible says. Notice again, verse 64, and his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake. And what did he do when he spake, church? And what? He praised God. He praised God. Notice again, uh, the Bible tells us uh, here in verse uh, 67, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Do you know what this father did? He rejoiced. He announced the glory of God. He praised God. When given the ability to speak, after all of these months, not able to say a word, I think it's interesting to note that he did not discuss his problem. I mean, most of us might have, after nine months and more of not being able to speak, we might have said, listen, you don't know how terrible this was. I couldn't communicate for more than nine months. My wife would ask me what I thought about something. She would misinterpret my notions, and she would go ahead and do what she wanted to anyway. My neighbors would pass by, and they would speak to me, and I couldn't speak back, and they'd go, well, he's stuck up. He didn't discuss the problems. He uttered forth praise to God. You know, we live in a world that's full of trouble, right? Job said, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And oh, how we like to talk about our problems. Just ask somebody how they're doing. And most of the time they'll tell you. Well, I've got to go to the doctor this week. And this is the third appointment that I have. And I've got this trouble. And the guy down at the, at the job, my boss, he's just so unkind to me. And we like to talk about our problems, do we not? By the way, now, everyone who's sick will refrain from telling me they've got a doctor's appointment. We like to talk about our problems. 
We like to talk about our troubles. In fact, we like to outdo one another. Oh, well, you think you got it bad. Wait till you find out how bad I have it. <coughs> Zacharias does not talk about his problems. No, he offers praise to God. His mouth is open. His tongue is loosed. He has an opportunity to speak, and he praises God. He said his name is going to be called John. You know what the name John means? It means Jehovah God is gracious. That's the message the Lord wants to send, that God is gracious. Do you know what our responsibility is as people who know God and love God? Our responsibility is to praise him. Our responsibility is to worship him. Our responsibility is not to walk around in a spirit of, 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 of discontentment and dissatisfaction, mumbling and complaining about all of our troubles our responsibility as God's people is to declare his praises. Now, notice what happens when Zacharias praises God. Notice what happens. Look, if you would, please, again, in verse number 65, and fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea, and all that all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Do you know what happened? They saw that Zacharias, this man who had not been able to speak for more than nine months, now spoke. His name is John. Jehovah is gracious. He praised God. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. Here's this man in past the age of being able to produce a child with a wife past the age of being able to produce a child, and yet they produce a child. There's no doubt, as they heard him sing praise to God, they took note of what was happening, and they said, what kind of child is this going to be? What is he going to do? What is God doing? You see, when this world comes across our path, when they hear our voices, what should they hear? Not how bad we have it, but how good God is. And do you know what will happen? They'll go, well, that's unusual. These people really love God. These people are telling me something good. In this dark, dismal world, they're spreading the light of the gospel. Oh, the psalmist prayed, and he said, Lord, I, my lips will be continually filled with thy praise. May God help us to learn how to praise him again. May God help us to just praise the Lord and thank him for his goodness. This song has three elements. Number one, the resonance of God's praise. Here, let me give you the second. The remembrance of God's promises. Notice again in verse 67. The remembrance of God's promises. You know, sometimes it's just good to be reminded what God has said he was going to do for us. Verse 67, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, 
the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Here, here we find Zacharias in his song, he remembers the promises of God. He remembers the promises of God. Why? Because he sees God's hand at work. He sees the power of God. He's offered God the praise for what he has done, that God has sent an angel to him. You're going to have a child. He's going to be a forerunner of the Messiah. And then Mary comes into his home, and she says, I have a child in my womb. I'm a child of the Holy Ghost. This child, according to the angel, is going to be the Savior of the world. And Zechariah is offering praise. He's marveling at what God is doing, and he remembers that God did exactly what he promised he would do. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? To see that God is doing what he said he would do. Well, that's what's taking place. Now, he said he, hath, uh, he, he, he has not forgotten us. That, that's really the message that, that Zacharias has in this song. Notice again, verse 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. He has not forgotten about us. <laughs> he has visited us, and he is redeeming us. Now, he speaks of two specific promises that are made here uh, that were made in the Old Testament and established by a covenant. Number one is a promise given to David. We see that mentioned in verses 69 to 71. Uh, this promise given to David. This is the Davidic covenant. This is the fact that David will have a, a, a person from his family, someone of his lineage, will sit on the throne forever. And he won't just rule Israel. He will rule the world. And do you know who that person is that will come from the lineage of David and will occupy the throne of David and will rule the world? Do you know who that is? That's King Jesus. That's the one that is coming. That's the one that John will be the forerunner for. He is preparing the way of the Lord. And here's what John is saying, or Zacharias rather, is saying that God has remembered his covenant with his people. Now let me tell you, Satan did everything he could to try to overthrow God's purposes there, to corrupt the seed of David, to kill the seed of David. But here we find all these uh, centuries after David reigned, a man named Joseph who was of the house of David and a girl named Mary who was of the house of David. And they come together and God gives them, they come together in marriage. They had not come together as a couple to conceive a child, but God working in the life of the Virgin Mary produces a child in her and a child is born who has in the eyes of man legally a father Joseph, who is of the seed of David, and a mother, Mary, his natural mother, who is of the seed of David. There is no doubt here that this Jesus fulfills that promise. I want to tell you, when you come to church and you learn about the Bible, and you come to Sunday school, and you learn about the Bible, and you begin to see how the pieces fit together, it's amazing how God will strengthen your faith. You see, all of this is working according to God's plan. Do you know what that does? That gives me hope for tomorrow, that everything I'm going to face is still working according to God's plan. 
and Washington can rock and reel and fall into dismay, as can the world. But let me tell you that the king who sits on the throne of David is coming to rule and reign just as he promised he would do. And he will make everything right. And I can rest in that, and so can you. I don't have to get Maylocks out and watch Fox News. No, I don't have to do that. No, I can read the Word of God and know that God's Word is true, and I can rest in that. Not only the promise given to David, but the promise given to Abraham. The promise given to David, a covenant of might. The horn of salvation will arise. He will rule by power. But here's the promise uh, given to Abraham. It is a covenant of mercy. You know what Christmas reminds us of? It reminds us of the fact that God has kept all of his promises to us. And it encourages us to know that he will continue to keep all of his promises to us. Russell Kelso Carter wrote these words in the 1800s, standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. What are you standing on today? May God help us to stand on his promises. You see, there are three elements in this song. Number one, the resonance of God's praise. He just sang to the glory of God and praised him. Uh, number two, the remembrance of God's promises. He sang about the promises of God and how they had been fulfilled, and he was encouraged to know that they would continue to be fulfilled. Here's the last one. The last element in the song, the revelation of God's purposes. The revelation of God's purposes. Notice in verse 76, and thou child, he's holding this baby. He's singing this song to little John. Thou child should be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Would you go with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 40? I want to ask you now to take your Bible, go with me, and follow along with me because I want you to see that God, this, didn't, this just wasn't God's plan on the spot. This was God's eternal plan. This was God's everlasting plan. And God's everlasting plan, it's a well-thought-out plan, friend. And it is a plan that Satan cannot defeat. It is a plan that will surely come to pass, and you and I as God's people are resting in that. Now, God has a purpose he wants to reveal here. Not just a plan, but a purpose. There's a purpose behind the plan, and we see it. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. We see the word iniquity. In verse 2, we see the word sins. Number three, in verse number 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Does that sound familiar? Why, well, sure it does. Who's that speaking of? It's speaking of John, John the Baptist, John the child of Zacharias and Elizabeth. As his daddy said, as he sang the song, 
Thou child shall be called the prophet of the highest. Thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Now we're still in Isaiah 40 and, and verse number three. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, notice what he says, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Or make straight, rather, in the desert, a highway for our God. Here he is, the voice of him that cries in the wilderness, Isaiah 40 and verse 3. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, let let me explain this to you. Uh, In those days, if a king or, or someone of prominence were to come into the town, to come into the village to visit, forerunners would go before them. And what they would literally do in many cases is either repair a road that already existed or build a completely new road so that when the dignitary, when the king, when the person in authority came into town, they would come along a smooth road that was prepared. You don't want the king coming to your town and your roads being sufficient. You don't want him getting stuck in the mud. You want him to be able to come through on a smooth road prepared specifically and uniquely for him. Do you know what John did? John went ahead of the Lord, and he prepared the road for the king who came, King Jesus. Now, how did he do that? I want to tell you how he did it. He did it by confronting the nation of Israel, the people of Jerusalem and Judea, those Jews, with their sins. You see, they were looking for a national deliverance. They were looking for a national savior, somebody who would deliver them from Roman oppression. Do you know so many Christians in America who identify with political groups? Do you know what they're looking for? They're looking for a national salvation. Friend, I want to tell you, God is interested in in, in people. He's interested in nations. But let me tell you what his purpose is. His purpose is not to save America as a society or as a culture. His purpose is to save souls. And that's important for us to know because we as Christians need to make sure that we are pursuing God's purpose in this world, that we have an understanding of what God's purpose is. In, in, in the gospel according to Mark, Mark, of course, is quoting Isaiah And he says in in Mark chapter 1 in verse 2, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger, John, before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Verse number 4, John did baptize in the wilderness. And here was John's message. He preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. John came as that voice in the wilderness and he preached about the sins of the people because it is the sins of the people that Jesus Christ came to deliver them from. The Bible said they went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Now, I want you to look back with me here in in, uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse 77. 
we see that John is fulfilling God's purpose. He is the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. This word knowledge means not just simply knowing, but experiencing it. You know, there are a lot of people who know about Jesus. There are a lot of people who know that Jesus will forgive them of their sins, but there are not many or as many who have experienced and know personally what that salvation is. Do you know why? Because they have never acknowledged their sinfulness. They have never acknowledged their sinfulness. You know what Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 22? He said, if I had not come and spoken unto them, who did he speak to? The people of Israel, the people of of the Jews. He said, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. If I had not come and revealed to them that they were sinners, they wouldn't know it. But now that I have, and they do, here's what he said, now they have no cloak for their sin. You see, there are many today who are are like that religious pharisaical crowd. When they think about sin, they think about everybody else's. They saw Jesus and his disciples, and they saw him sitting with the publicans and sinners, and they asked Jesus, why? Why? Or they asked his disciples, rather, why does he sit with those publicans and sinners? And Jesus, when he heard that, the Bible tells us in Matthew 9 and verse 12, he said unto them, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. You know, unless you acknowledge that you've got a problem, you're not going to go to the doctor. As long as you keep saying, I'm okay, everything's good, you don't need a doctor. But when you acknowledge there's a problem, then you go to the doctor. Listen, as long as you maintain that you're okay, you're getting to heaven, you're fine, you're, you're good, don't talk to me about salvation, everything's okay, I'm on my way to heaven, all the rest of these sinners need to be saved, but I'm okay. As long as that's your mentality, as long as you have never been confronted and acknowledged the truth of your own sinfulness, you will never have the knowledge of salvation. You see, Jesus didn't just come to feed the multitudes. He he didn't come to just heal the sick. He he didn't just come to give sight to the blind. He, He didn't just come to give us an example that we should follow. Do you know why he came? He came for one reason, to save sinners, Paul said, of whom I am chief. Jesus said in Luke 19 and verse 10 himself, for the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. I want to ask you a question. Are you saved? You can't ever be saved until you acknowledged that you were lost. And if you've never acknowledged that you're lost, that you're a sinner, then you really haven't understood his purpose and you have no knowledge of his salvation. You see, God's purpose 
is to save sinners. And if you're a sinner, confess it, and he will forgive you, and he will save you. Are you willing to acknowledge it? Are you willing to acknowledge that he's the son of God who died on the cross for you? Are you willing to receive him as your savior and believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved? If you're willing to do that, I invite you to. And if you already do, know personally the Lord is your savior. Have you forgotten his purpose? It's to save sinners. As we go about Christmas, as we go about our time and our schedule, let's remember what God wants done in this world. As we think about our church and all that God is doing, let's remember what God wants done in the world. He wants people to know him. And that's our job. Maybe you're full of fear today and you're wondering how it's going to turn out. Remember his promises. Maybe your heart's full of dissatisfaction and grumbling and complaining, and you just need to remember that you need to sing his praises. Oh, how business will pick up in your soul when you do. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.